to Too Smart for This. I am so, so excited to continue our confidence series this week with the one and only founder of Topicals. I am so excited to have had her on the show. You all have no idea. This was such an incredible conversation, honestly better than I would have expected. I think a lot of people love, love talking about VC and raising, etc. when they have entrepreneurs on, but today when we were able to jump into confidence building, I think that unlocked a whole new level of incredible gems for you all to really feel excited about building whatever you're building, whether it's your own business or whether it's your own life. These are really incredible, tangible takeaways for you. And I am so excited to jump into this episode. It is, as always, sponsored by Two Collectives Two Cozy Robe, which is available for you now at twocollective.com. It is a super soft, plush, cozy robe that has adjustable sleeves and an attached belt so that you can do what you do best relax in peace with a functional piece that's going to help you be your best self. And with that, I don't want to waste any more time. So let's jump into my conversation with Alamade. First of all, welcome to the show. Hi, hi. I'm so excited to have you here and so excited to chat because you're an icon and a legend. Oh, and I appreciate we're so excited. That. So I like to start with a few rapid fire questions. Sometimes they turn into conversations. So if they do... It's fine. Um, But just so the audience can get to know you, the first one is, what is your big three in astrology, if you know? I'm so embarrassing. I don't know. You don't know? Mm -mm. Okay, fine. Then do you just I just know I'm a Scorpio, and I don't know any of the other things. I just saw my birth certificate. You know, I'm 26 years old. My mother just showed me my birth certificate. (laughs) That's a lie. But, like, I just saw it again. right. And I was born at 1149, so... A.M. or P.M.? P.M. No, A.M. Okay. So if we have the um, calculator, the astrology calculator, or whatever, you can do it. I can do it now. Yeah, or someone, someone who's listening, go do her birth chart and, and then leave a comment under exactly. photo about Let us what know it. what it is. Do you yeah. have a favorite like personality test? Ooh, I've taken a couple of them, and I'm definitely an ENTJ. Same. Okay. I'm an ENTJ. Exactly. Um, and yeah. then I know the other one with the numbers. I just don't know the numbers. I, I don't know the numbers yeah. either. The number one everyone loves, and I couldn't ever get into it. It was so confusing. There's so it many is, numbers. It is a lot of numbers, and it's just not as easy to remember as ENTJ. Exactly. Um, but yeah. I also took that like 10 years ago. Really? I took it recently, like probably six, eight months ago, because yeah. I was doing something with my family, and I was like, mm. everyone, we need to know what you are. And they <laughs> took the test, and it was really cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I am very extroverted, um, but I don't have tough skin, so Ooh. I like take Interesting. criticism really hard. Really, where do you think that comes from? I do don't you think know. It's, is it? Do you think it's a personal thing, or like you just maybe hold yourself to like a really high? Standard? I'm very self-critical. Mm-hmm. Not as much now. Definitely like more soft with myself, but mm-hmm. very critical of myself, and yeah. so. Other people's words cut really deep, so that's why I never want to be famous. Don't make me famous. I don't. I don't want to be famous. <laughs> I'll try my best. You know? I just want to make cool products and like yeah. great experiences for people. And I feel like that's a really unique quality these days, especially in a time of social media where everyone does want to be famous. But famous, yeah, hard. Like I Terrifying. really actually do feel for famous people, and I know people are like, oh, well, like they have exposure and awareness, but think about millions of people watching your every move. It's yeah. really, really, really meta and really scary when you think about it. Yeah, and then inflicting and projecting a lot onto you right, every right. day, too. Yeah, because we always say, like, oh, money doesn't solve all your problems, and it doesn't. It does solve, like, them to an extent, but, like, fame 
doesn't mean that that's a problem within itself. Yeah. You know? What does Drake say? More money, more problems. Period. But at the end of the day, bring on the problems. You know, exactly. Because you're a problem solver. That's what I am. By all means. That's so what I am. when did that, well, wait, let me not, let me not. <laughs> we're already going we're into going, conversation. We're going into conversation. What is your hometown and where do you live now? El Paso, Texas. Period. People are always like, El Paso, where is that? I'm like, I do like the little Utah. sign. Yes. Yeah. I do the sign of Texas and I do the point at the thumb because oh. it's at the corner of New Mexico and um, the lower border is Mexico. What oh is Mexico? Yeah. Wow. So I grew up speaking Spanish. My dad speaks fluent Spanish. Mm-hmm. It's a very different part of Texas than Houston or Dallas, but I loved it. Very yeah. family oriented. The food is amazing. The people are really, really sweet. Um, but je- definitely not like a big city. It's mm. like big city ish vibes with like small city mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm from St. Louis, which I feel like is similar. Like yeah. it's not Chicago, right? Which is like our but neighbor. But St. Louis has like. We got people. El Paso you know. is not really on the map. I think Khalid has like, yeah, like now is a Texas mm-hmm. Texan, but um, El Paso Texan. Yeah. And I want to say that's it. <laughs> and you and me. Okay. Do they still live there? Does your family? Still they live do, there? but they're moving to Dallas. Oh Dallas, Dallas, and Houston again are the bigger cities in Texas that people really love. Mm-hmm. I love Dallas. I grew up in and out of it. Yeah. I had cousins who live there. Um, Lovely. Texas is just so big, and there's so many subcultural. Yes, Texas. My dad calls it God's country, (laughs) and I think that's what people call it. Yeah, I think that's what like Texans call it is God's country because everything's bigger in Texas. It sure is. I feel like a lot of Black people are in Texas. Yeah, and there's a lot of Black people like moving to Texas all the time. Yes, I'm always like, wow, I gotta go over here. It's because you can afford things in Texas. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Cannot afford things in New York. No. Los Angeles, California. When I went to Austin for Afrotech, I was like, the, I stayed in an Airbnb and I was like, wait, like this is probably half the price of my studio in New York. Yeah. And I was like, and it's 10 times better. And you would own it. Literally. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Ownership is very far, a very far away dream for me in at the moment. So. New York or California, it's very tough. It's crazy. So what brought you out here? I went to school here. So oh, okay. I tell people I've lived so many lives. Mm-hmm. So I was a Division One athlete. I got a full scholarship to come to UCLA to run track. Oh, period. Yeah. I mm-hmm. won state in Texas. I was like highly in recruited. In Texas In too? Texas. Yeah, I won state. Wow. I was highly recruited. I think my senior year, I was number 12 in the country wow. for like my the race I ran, which is the 400. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got offers from a couple of different um, colleges and really loved LA when I came out here mm-hmm. and chose UCLA. Period. Yeah. And did you love it? Uh, yeah. any uh, PWI it's tough yeah. college is so different like from high school when it comes to sports high school you're doing sports because you're good at it because you love it and in college you're doing it as like it's a business yeah and so like if you don't perform it's very hard mentally <sighs> it's really hard like even academically like if you are not performing your scholarship can be taken away they've kind of cut that out now to where like that can't happen but like my sophomore year I got my co- my scholarship cut what yeah yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah, so it was really, really hard yeah. on me. But I, I like thank God that it did happen because it led me to business and mm-hmm. to beauty. And yeah. I ended up, you know, interning at Shea Moisture, and the story you know, goes the way it does. Crazy. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, I, that's always good to hear because um, something my last guest said as well is like the moments where you were the most stressed or the most like frustrated in that moment. I'm sure you were like really devastated. Very much so. The good thing about life is you always come out realizing like, oh, it had a solution. It had a meaning. And so how did you like take that and like run with it? Bad analogy. Sorry. (laughs) No, I love it. Oh, I did run with it. Yeah. So um, my freshman year, I got introduced to 
um, a young woman named Rochelle Dennis. Um, and we got like super close freshman year. Um, we decided to room together sophomore year. And one day we were talking and I think she was like going through one of her like journals or somewhere where she was like writing different stuff. And she was like, oh yeah, like my dad owns Shea Moisture. Very LA, yeah. very like, that would only happen in LA that someone's right. father is like the owner of Shea Moisture. And she was like, oh, I thought only people in New York knew about that because that's where she's from. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no girl, like, we all use Shea Moisture. <laughs> I use it in St. Louis. Yes, yeah. like we all use it. And um, she was like, well, I've had this dream to build a brand for young women. Like my dad has built for, you know, hair care. Mm-hmm. Would you like want to do it with me? And I was like, girl, do what with you? I don't <laughs> I have no idea how to do that. Yeah. Um, I was pre-med at the time and I grew up with skin conditions. So I thought I wanted to be a dermatologist. I was like very gung-ho first on neuroscience, but then on dermatology. Did you watch Grey's Anatomy? I did not. I just like to do hard things. Mm -hmm. Very, very hard things. I was like, like, this sounds like a great thing to do. And so, yeah, that's how I got into like pre-med. And then I was like, okay, yeah, I can do like the science stuff Mm -hmm. and like research ingredients and stuff for the brand. So that's how I like got onto the team and started working at Shea Moisture when I was 19. Well, wow. And so when did that stop? Like when, or also like, how was it? What was that like to do in college? It was such a great experience. Again, like by this time, Sports was like, yeah, I wasn't really paying attention as much on like, like practice and stuff like that. And I learned everything about building a brand for people who were underserved. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, social good. I learned about managing a PL. I learned about marketing, retail. I think the most important thing was the social give back that I learned about. Mm -hmm. Um, Shane Wisher had this ethos around um, community commerce, which was basically Mm -hmm. this idea of doing well by doing good. So the more money that the company made, the more they can give back to um, their community. And so I really, that really stuck with me. And like, it was just this really amazing thing where you could see business acting for good. And so loved that. Um, 2017, which was like the first semester of my senior year, Shea Moisture um, and their parent company, Sundial Brands, was acquired by Unilever. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, and there was a lot of backlash. And I always love to clear the air when I come on to podcasts or do Mm -hmm. any speaking. We have to normalize black people selling their businesses. We do. (laughs) I want to scream it, literally. And not because, like, oh, black people should sell to, like, other people and da-da-da, but it's just, like, wealth creation happens at the exchange of ownership. And I think, like, our community really has to understand that, like, ownership is only as good as the leverage you have with the ownership, right? Like in our community, we own a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but we're owning a lot lot of those things in struggle because we don't have access to capital, banks, loans, just resources. And so like, yeah, we're owning everything, but like we're struggling. That's not what other communities do. You own so that you have leverage to sell or to liquidate your asset. It's just like any other like stock that you would hold in the public markets. Mm -hmm. Like you don't own the stock because it's like, oh, I want to own, I'm black and I want to own this stock. (laughs) You own the stock because you're like, it's going to go up and I want to be able to share in the liquidation. I empathize with folks and understand why we want to keep things black owned and, you know, us hoping to see like black conglomerates pop up, Mm -hmm. but we're still catching up like with a lot of things. Um, Mm -hmm. And so- yeah, shout out yeah. to the Dennis's because they've invested in so many black-owned businesses, mine included. Mm-hmm. Um, they've created more Shea Moistures by selling their business, and I don't think we understand the magnitude of that. 100%. We wouldn't. We would only have one Shea Moisture. We'd only have one Carol's Daughter if they hadn't sold their businesses and then reinvested and spent their time with black founders, helping mm-hmm. to build more brands in more categories so that all of us could have better products. Exactly, and I think that that that's even something I've struggled with myself with my new brand is like whether to raise or not. And like VC has always been a part of my life. Like I have like great relationships with it, but I've always been like, well, I want to, it's like, we want to own for the sake of owning, 
but not really for like the 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 good of the entire community or the right. good or the entire like future here. It's really just because it's like we've been taught this like owning is the best thing you can possibly yeah. do, but it's not always for that. And I really love the way you explain yeah. that. Yeah, ownership really is about leverage. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Like if you own something and you can never tap it, you can never do anything with yeah. it. Like. And it's you're like struggling. Yeah, it's like it's like real estate. It's like yeah. if you could own a house, but yeah. then no one can ever live in the house. You can't rent the house out. Yeah, is the house really worth owning? <laughs> no, it's condemned. Precisely. <laughs> At that point, but still, there is a lot of struggle that comes with raising. Yeah, and you're the youngest black woman to ever raise over ten million in VC funding, which is crazy. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Like that was a wild. And this was pretty recent, like that that was announced. But you've obviously been working on this for a really long time, so. What were some of like the struggles you had to overcome while raising? Yeah, so I raised my first dollar of capital when I was 22. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when I was 22. And for topicals? For topicals, mm-hmm. yeah. Topicals is like, it's not an overnight, overnight success, y'all. Like no. I have been working on this idea from 2018. Wow. Um, it took me two years to fundraise, get the product mm-hmm. together, do all the things. I think it's just really interesting now, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm not very shocked about the success of Topicals because I knew with every fiber of my being that the unique insight I had, which was that one in four Americans has a chronic skin condition, people of color at one point in their life, 80% of them will have hyperpigmentation, which is the category that we've come out and dominated. Um, I knew that medical school hadn't been training dermatologists and dermatology residents to treat skin of color and dermatologists were physically saying that. Um, so it's like, I had all the data, I had the anecdotal evidence. And so it just was time for people to catch up. And so I, I thank God that like everything has lined up the way it has, but I, I knew that these things were going to come to pass. And what's exciting t- about me being in my position is being able to take advantage of the fact that, that it was happening, mm-hmm. you know, seeing a trend, I think yeah. so many times in the black community and communities who are underserved, where you don't have access to resources, you see a trend, mm-hmm. like you can spot or you're creating the trend. Yeah but you can't capitalize on it because you don't have access, you don't have resources. And so it was just, it's really, I feel really fortunate to be able to capitalize on the fact that I said this was going to be a thing and like being able to help people on the way with mm-hmm. great product, with reinvesting. We've donated a hundred thousand dollars to mental health organizations. Like we're, we plan to like double, triple that in the coming years. And so mm-hmm. the fact that I've been able to like actually get access is I don't take it for granted. It's really special. A lot of investors just didn't understand. Like so many people told me topicals didn't need to exist. You know, we have so many skincare brands. You know, why would anyone, you know, this was the day days when like, um, I don't like to, to say certain brands, but like when certain brands were like just so hot and it was like clean aesthetic and like pretty mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And it's like, they were like, how are you going to get people to think that chronic skin conditions are cool or like sexy or aspirational? <laughs> They're not aspirational, but we got them. We got them. So, exactly. Yeah. Literally one in four Americans. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, people were just like, it, this shouldn't exist. And then how are you going to add like all these colors? Like people aren't going to take you serious. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, are you sure people of color really have this much skin conditions? It feels really niche to like go down this rabbit hole, all the things, yeah. but I'm very stubborn. <laughs> so <laughs> didn't necessarily listen to all the people said, I always take people's feedback, mm-hmm. but was like, just going to keep trudging along until I figure it out. And, and finally did found the right investors and, and, you, and you did it. Yeah. In 20, 20, which was a wild year. Oh um, that God. summer, I raised $2 million. So we had raised about 500K, 600K, about that till that point over two years. And then literally in a month, raised $2 million. So we launched in August of 2020 with $2.6 million in funding. Jesus. I was 23 at the time. 
And then this round that we just announced, I actually closed it earlier this year. Mm. Like, not that much earlier, but earlier this year. So I was actually 25 when it happened. Mm. The announcement came when I was 26, because I just turned 26 in October. Well, you know, we got to get the data right. You know? (laughs) know? But no, and and that's the funny thing, too. It's like, it's super interesting. When I do press, when the story came out, all of the numbers were so wrong. Really? Like, they were so wrong. Nobody fact-checked. Nobody was like, everyone was like, under-reporting. And I was just like... Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you said, don't leave me out of right. it. But also, I mean, I feel like it's, what is a day-to-day, what does your day-to-day look like when you're raising? Mm. Um, it's actually really tough. It's really grueling because it's like somebody looking all in your drawers mm-hmm. of like everything <laughs> you do. Yeah. And it's like, you're, you try to keep it organized. You try to like have a process for things, but sometimes you're just building on the fly. And so your your finances don't exactly look like all the way you put together Mm -hmm. or like you have to build a deck for this or that. And I think people really want to understand what makes you special. Why are people coming back? What is the repeat purchase? Like are people actually coming back to purchase again? Um, You know, what is the safety of your product? Have you done testing? Mm -hmm. Who's on your team? Like why can we, how can we trust you? And how do we know like you'll be able to build a company that is continuing to grow and and, uh, make a certain amount of revenue and you'll, you know, be good for years to come. Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of questions. Like every question that you can imagine um and it takes a long time it takes like between 60 and 90 days of diligence Mm -hmm. so like someone's just asking you for thing after thing after thing and they're definitely during the process especially the series a it's like super serious it's the first time you like really get a board and like all these things a couple times during the process i was like maybe i don't want the money (laughs) (laughs) maybe i maybe i'm good maybe i'm good but i love the partner that we're working with like uh, jenna at kavu kavu is a really great firm they did poppy they did Vital Proteins, um, and I, I was purposeful not to pick a beauty um, investor because I don't want to build a beauty brand. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm building. And I think that love the beauty space, but I think that like we are, we can be very archaic sometimes in the way we think about building a brand. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted someone who had been in wellness and consumer in general to help us build a category-defining brand. And that's that is what you're doing. And I think that is a great partner because someone like Poppy, that is that is a new category. Et yeah. So that's incredible. So, oh my goodness. Thank you. But it, I feel like you get a lot of you know press and stuff about raising VC and stuff. But you're also a human being, and you also are running a company at 26 years old. So for you, what's the hardest part running a company that you've had to figure out in the past year? So after you've launched, like you're doing well, like people are loving you, but like, what was the hardest part of this past year for you? I think the big thing that I'm starting to finally come to terms with is the fact that like, I always have to have the answer, right? Mm. Yes and no. My team is really great. So like, sometimes I don't have to have the answer, but a lot of times people are like, like you do something, you think, oh, everyone's going to be happy with it. And then people are like complaining or people are like not happy. And I mean, I have a very open policy with my team. So like, yeah, come on, tell me what we need to fix, what we need to do better. But I'm also empowering people to come up with a plan of what you want to see done better. It's mm-hmm. not just about like complaining about something or, or feeling like, oh, this is not that great. It's like, okay, you have power within your department to change things. If you were to change things, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. And so I think it is really hard to manage people. I think that's probably the biggest thing because people mm-hmm. bring their whole selves to work and I want them to bring their whole selves to work. But like people's traumas, people's PTSDs yeah. from work, from personal, like all of it gets uh, jumbled up. And I think that, you have to, as a founder and as a CEO, be able to lead through murky waters and through not having all the full information and then also juggling people's emotions and feelings. You also don't want to break people's morale. And the same way in dating, you have to understand people's love language and what triggers them and what makes them tick. Mm -hmm. You have to learn that also about the people you work with. So it allows you to like 
speak to them a specific way to get the best out of them. Exactly. And I think a lot, it's good that you're like noticing that and deciding to like approach your company with that mindset, because I think so many brands fail or so many, I mean, in the corporate world, you can experience this too, where your manager is like, doesn't realize like, Hey, you don't do well with micromanaging. So maybe I'll stop micromanaging you, you know? And I think that that's a great way to like approach things. But what's one thing you'll like never do again as a manager? Or never do as a manager. I won't say again. So mm. you don't have to out yourself. I'm actually not a micromanager mm-hmm. um, because I I give people the same respect that they I would expect to give to me, right? And like I don't like to be micromanaged. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a freer freer spirit within an analytical lens, but like I'm a freer spirit. I think sometimes that can be good and bad because then it feels like there's a little bit less structure. Like that's what my team always comes back to me with, like, hey, I think we need more structure. Mm-hmm. But um, I love giving people like space to play and like get really creative some people love that Mm -hmm. some people don't and I think the best thing I have learned and I will not do again is like make people managers just because of their level of expertise some people actually don't want to be managers Mm -hmm. they want to be good at their job in isolation they do not want to manage others Mm -hmm. they do not want to lead and that is okay not all of us are leaders but it's really understanding whether or not that person wants to be that and then giving them the resources if they decide they do want to be that. Oh, that's such a good point. Not everyone wants to or maybe is good at or even right. like cares about being a manager. Right. You know, that is such a good point. It's something I like didn't know when I was like in college. Like I was like, oh, like isn't the point of like working at this corporate job to be a manager? Yeah. And then it's like for a lot of people, it really isn't. And that's not something what they want to do. Crazy. Exactly. Like truly. What is your most important self-care practice in your day to day? Ooh. Day-to-day is hard because I, I actually told myself 2023 is me practicing self-love. There's been so many changes in my life, personal, professional, mm-hmm. over the last year. And I'm putting myself first a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm always a person who's like, I compartmentalize a lot. It's mm-hmm. actually, I would consider it my weakness. Uh, it's good in some cases, and it's it helped me like in sports when something mm-hmm. is painful or when you have to like get your nerves together. But like sometimes in life, it, it makes things really difficult because then you become numb. Yes. And you can't feel anything, good or bad. And I do that so much. Me and I, I have a propensity to like, something good will happen. I'll be like, oh, shut down. That's enough. <laughs> That's enough. Yeah. Or something bad will happen. I'll be like, oh, well, don't care. Yeah. And it's like, I do. Mm-hmm. And it's not healthy to do that. It's, it's good to sit in your feelings and be in your feelings. And I think spending a lot of time now doing that and reading this book, When You're Ready to Heal, mm. or When You're Ready, This Is How You Heal. That's what it's called. When You're Ready, This Is How You Heal. And it just like helps you sit in your feelings. And so I think that that is my, probably my biggest weakness mm. and something that I like, I'm trying to do better about in 2023. So I don't necessarily have a daily practice, although I do read the Bible every morning and I pray every morning. Just the first thing just like helps me come into the consciousness without Mm -hmm. being like, my gosh, like there are a thousand things on fire. Literally. Um, my, My thing that I'm like trying to really work in is massages. I've heard so many founders tell me that, and you I don't realize how tense you are. Oh my god! Until. I went, literally, I went to the massage for the first massage in like a few months or something, and she touched my shoulders and she was like, "What the fuck are you, you been doing?" doing? <laughs> literally, my my lady was like, "Are you working out? Like, are you training for a marathon?" I'm like, "No, girl, my life is a marathon." I, said, I run a company. I run a company. That's, That's the only thing I'm running is a company. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's crazy, but yeah, massage 100. Yeah. Where do you go out here? So I used to go to the Beverly Hills Hotel because someone got. Me a uh, mm. gift card then the gift card ran out mm. and Tough i was like time. yeah yeah i said okay <laughs> this is cute but um but i'm actually going to squeeze now the okay. the dry bar founders they started squeeze and it's basically like a massage MD, but heard like, about that, but i had oh. the only thing is it's in studio city so it's a bit far but okay. this place that i like to get my nails done is like right next door so i'm just like mm, nice. a twofer we love it mm-hmm. i love when you can do both yes. my boyfriend and i were thinking about we were like 
I, I told him, I, was like, I need a, a spa, a salon, or something where I can get my lashes, my nails, get my massage, get it all done in yes. one place. And he was like, okay. LA is, like, like, literally, because yeah. LA is such a, ugh, it's not like New York where it's like things can be like close together. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I get my lashes done at Amazing Lash Studio in Marina Del Rey. Mm-hmm. And then, That's far. Yeah. And then I get my nails done. I like this one place called Ibiza Nails. Oh, I live right by yeah, there. I, oh, really? I mm-hmm. got my, I used to live right over there. Yeah. Um, got my nails done there. And I, they're always good, but I always like kind of forget them. They're like the side piece mm-hmm. where you like kind of forget, mm-hmm. but they're like, they're quality. They're, they're good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nail salon I really like to go to is right there and then squeezes like the other, it's right next to it. So I'm going to have to try them out. Yeah. Yeah. Especially. Squeeze. And you can do, a, I do a subscription because it's like so much cheaper and it literally forces you to go, yeah. right. It forces mm-hmm. you to go every month. So you're like, oh, force yourself. Because you're like, oh, I'm racking up credits and I haven't used any. Exactly. Do you go to therapy? I used to be in therapy. And then I stopped going to therapy because I think my therapist could only help me up to that point. Mm. And because so much of my life is built around my work, I have an executive coach, which is really, Ooh, really great. Lovely. But I am getting back into therapy yeah? for personal oh stuff. Yeah. Good for you. But wow, an executive coach. Yes. When did you... So, okay, walk me through the timeline of like you decide to build this business you build this business, you're raising, you're doing well. When do you outsource for certain things? Like, when did you decide to get an executive coach? Was it like in the middle of like a crazy crisis at work or were you just like hitting a growth edge or something like that? So I knew I needed a therapist pretty early just because it was really, really hard. Like I remember Mm -hmm. talking to my therapist about like feeling like I was missing my moment. And this was like 2019. So I started working with her in 2019, probably like February. Yeah, Mm -hmm. actually no, 2020, because I started working with her like I went to one appointment in person and then COVID hit. Yep. Oh. <laughs> um, but then we went. We did virtual sessions. But I like worked with her for about a year mm. and a half, probably. Yeah, a year and a half. Stop. We stopped working together last summer. So I knew I needed that, and she was really great during that process. I got my executive coach when I raised the two million because I was scared. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm a young black, and she's a black woman too. So I was like, I'm a young black girl, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I have all this money, and like, there's things I want to do, but like, help me think into the future about like foundationally what I need to build as a CEO to support my team, to support myself, support this business. And she's been really helpful in like helping me wade through my thoughts. I'm one of those people, I was explaining to someone, my brain feels like ping pong. Yes. Ping pong. It's like things are ping ponging in my head all the time. I'm like thinking about 12,000 things. And so I need someone to like help me quiet my thoughts and be like, okay, let's break that thought down. It's like, it's therapy, but for work, right? It's like, why do you feel that way about that thing? Why are you scared about this thing? Or... Like she helped me come to the realization that when I hire executives that I need to be like around me and, and work around me, I want people who want to be there but don't need to be there, right? Mm. Like you're really talented, you have the ability to go to any job, but you choose to be here because this is a place where you feel like you can grow, you can grow with me, we can grow together as a team. Whenever people become too, unfortunately, like not needy, but like become like you're desperate for wanting to be here, mm-hmm. There's something about like my working style with that person that then changes. And so mm-hmm. working on A, what if you have executives that you really like that are really great and have who need more? Yeah. What do you do? And like how do you show up there so you don't feel like burnt out? Yeah. But then also how do you hire for people who match you and who like don't need to be there? My um head of strategy, she's now VP of strategy. Mm-hmm. Um Join me. I met her in college at Harvard uh, Business School. We did like summer venture management oh, program. I did that. We did yes. that program. What a good one. Such yeah. a good program. Mm-hmm. Met her junior year. Um, she was working, interning at BCG, had a full full time offer. Mm-hmm. Thought she was so brilliant. I was like, if I ever, ever get to work with her mm-hmm. one day in my life, I will be so happy. Last spring, I was like, 
hey girl. <laughs> and she was like rising through the ranks really quickly at BCG. Like hadn't yeah. even gone to go get her MBA, but was already on like partner track. Period. Um, black woman as well. Amazing. And she, uh, I was like, hey, do you hate your job? And she was like, yeah, it's okay. They all like, do I was over like, there. <laughs> Come on, on over. And she came over and she took a pay cut and like wow. literally was like, yeah, let's do it. And like I've since right-sized all of the, the opportunities and in, in her mm-hmm. compensation and everything, especially right. as we've raised this money. But like she didn't need me. Mm-hmm. Like she was going to go to Harvard Business School. She was going to be great. But she's like, no, I want to be here. I have ideas. I want to contribute. And I think I do really well in those spheres. And so mm-hmm. it's great having this executive coach because it is like therapy, but in your professional life. And mm-hmm. I wish more people had like a professional therapist, not mm-hmm. just like a just like personal a feeling therapist. therapist. Yeah. yeah. What are other things you wish like young founders or new business owners like knew or did before, you know, they started? I think people really need to learn how to become a student of the game like whatever game you're playing like you need to understand your customer through and through and people say they understand their customer but like do you know what she likes to eat where she shops like mm-hmm. where like is she an early riser does she go to bed late like all those things really help because it starts it helps you build like this story around your customer I call it a universe you call mm. you build this universe or this world around your customer so much so that the customer feels like oh my gosh this person knows me so well and I feel like that's why topicals has been successful is like we've built the topicals universe around this customer right mm-hmm. we know mental health is important to her we know she likes aesthetics, right? So we need the branding to be on point. We know that she's culturally diverse, so we need to make sure that the stories we're telling, the talent that we're casting also represents her childhood or represents, like, the music, the TV shows, mm-hmm. the influencers she's she grew up with. You know, we know that at the end of the day, she has a chronic skin condition, so outside of all the fluff, the products have to work. We know, like, all these different things about her, and so because of that, we're able to, like, meet her where she is already. And I think that so many people are always asking me about, like, marketing, marketing, and I'm like... Branding is the first step of marketing. It's the foundation of marketing. If you can figure out the branding, your marketing will be fine. Exactly. And I think, like, um, it's interesting because that is how I felt when you cast the rappers in the most recent campaign because I was like, I love Topicals Normal. Like, I've always loved it, like, since it launched. I think, like, in in, um, 2020 when you launched, I was like, I'm all about this because I have eczema and, like, all this crazy. And High Roller is my fave. Me too. Um, Me too. And also Slather because I have... Um, chicken skin. Anyway, the most important thing though is that you, in that moment, I was like, "Wow, like your fingers really on the pulse." Because, Thank you. Because, that means a mu- that means so course, much to me. I mean, because it's like I love these products, and the branding has always been on point. But then when it, and when it was when I really noticed, because I was like, "Wow, I'm really getting into female rappers these days," and now they're here, and I was like, "Wow, like that's how you know," because they were listening, and yes. then, and I'm in the universe. And so. I wish that I, we had even bigger budgets to like, because I wanted mm-hmm. to cast like ten people. I'm sure you I literally did. was like, "Her, her, 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 this person, that person." Mm-hmm. One um, thing about new business is that the money you thought you needed, you need more. You need more. You need more. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I just love working with like one up and coming women, up and coming people. Like mm-hmm. when we casted Smino, he had not done any beauty stuff. Yeah. And like he's now become a good friend. And like he's just like, yeah. he was telling me, I, I saw him, I don't know, when I see him, I saw him sometime. And he was like, um, he's like, cast me again for something. Cause like this time, he said, I wore my Bantu knots last time because I didn't know how much how much I could be myself. But he's like, I'm going to wear the, my, my braid out. I'm going to wear my, my fro out yeah, this so next funny. time. And so it's just like really cool because they also are excited. And I think, for me, the big idea was that you have to be so big to get like a big like makeup or beauty campaign. You have mm-hmm. to be huge. Yep. You have to be like crossed over. Like, um, what? Are, who are they? Like, the Oscar nominees. Or whatever. Yeah, you yeah. have to be a Meg Thee Stallion, which mm-hmm. we love. Meg. You have love. to be like a Doja Cat, which is mm-hmm. amazing. But like, 
what happens to the people on their journey on the way there? Like, why can't they have that moment? Mm -hmm. And so that's what has made me like really lean in to just casting and working with people who I am their first campaign. I am like Maya the Dawn, right? Like literally, that was what it was for me. I was like, <laughs> I'm a Maya the Dawn stand. Me too. Been there Telfy? on TikTok, and then Telfy like popped off. And when you had it, that's why it was so resonant. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Love to see it. And the thing is, it's like her audience is so excited for her. Like her community is so excited, and mm -hmm. I think like. I love that feeling. I yeah. love for her to like go stand in front of her billboard. I love for her to feel like, wow, like I'm making it because I feel like that's how I felt when certain things were happening to me. When we would sell at Sephora, I'd be like, wow. Mm -hmm. And all of it was because of the community, right? Like Maya wouldn't be Maya outside of her song if yeah. it wasn't for her community being like, have y'all heard Maya the Dawn? And exactly. using the song in their TikToks. And so mm -hmm. I think it's just like this circular community um, idea that I think we want to continue to push. So you'll keep seeing that from us and like, let the budgets, pray to God, let the budgets get bigger because as Let's the budgets pray. get bigger, we get to cast more people and like mm -hmm. just tell more stories that we haven't, yeah, be creative. Yeah. We Tell more stories that people haven't really told. Mm -hmm. um, I was speaking to someone earlier today and we talked about cultural nuance mm -hmm. and like that is the the word words for 2023 is cultural nuance. I think that's good because I think you reach a lot more people and I think Gen Z is not interested in, in mainstream things and like mainstream like having all the numbers isn't always what matters. It's right. like how your favorite influencer, when they hit a million, you don't like them anymore. <laughs> it's like people like the nuanced things yeah. too, and they like having those specific niches that they really identify with. And I think that that's where you can have the most like pull sometimes. Definitely. Too. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's crazy. I love to have tangible takeaways for my audience. I hate when they, I hate when I listen to a podcast episode and I'm like, okay, but you're like one of my favorite people, but you didn't tell me what to do with my yes, life. You truly. Know? So I'd love if you have any books, podcasts, anything that you'd love to share with the girls. Okay. So I'm going to tell you guys a couple of things and then I'm going to announce something oh my that's God. coming next week. Hopefully oh like God. cross Yay. your fingers, everybody next week. We're ready. Um, okay. So books to read that like completely changed my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, the first book is Obsessed, Building a Brand People Love from Day One. Okay, period. Tipping Point and Hitmakers. Read those three books. You will change it. The way you think about brand, creative, marketing will change. Mm -hmm. Storytelling, psycho human psychology will change. A podcast that I love, How I Built This. Love. Side Hustle Pro. Mm. And um, Masters of Scale. Um, and lot. then I think things you need to be reading um, 2 p.m. It's a newsletter. I don't know if they're still publishing, but 2 p.m. is a really great WebSmith. Phenomenal, phenomenal brain mm -hmm. in the um, e-commerce space. And then I can't remember this other pod, uh, this other uh, newsletter. But again, once you find 2 p.m., you'll find like all the other ones that like kind of congregate in that area. Mm -hmm. um, but on the announcement, I have been working for a while on this platform. It is absolutely free. It's like a mentorship platform, Ooh. and it's going to tell you from A to Z like what I wish I knew. So it's going to have like decks, early decks from me of things oh that God. I've been working on. It's going to have um, an investor pitch, like how it should look or mm -hmm. what I did. It's going to go into like creative briefs and like how you build the branding of your company, mm -hmm. even how to get your big idea. Because I think so many people like have all the skills and the talents and they're mm -hmm. just like, okay, girl, like I don't I have a product like, idea. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I should do from here. Mm -hmm. It goes into retail and version one is not going to be perfect, right? It's going to, I'm going to continue to build and evolve, especially as people ask me questions. But um, alongside that is a, I do a Zoom call once a month for about an hour with founders and people just ask me questions. I mm -hmm. learn from them. They learn from me. 
Um, so I'm really excited. Oh my God. Hopefully well, first, congratulations because week. it's to put everything in your brain into one place is really difficult, Very. but it's so necessary. And I am excited as a new founder myself because yeah. I'm about to be up in there. Up in there. I'll tell you well, that. You know, yeah. you know who inspired me to do this is Virgil Abloh. Like rest in peace, rest Virgil. Rest in peace, yes. Um, he has this website called Free Game mm-hmm. and it literally is like resources on like how to create a clothing brand. Yeah. Mine is a little bit more general given I'm in consumer mm-hmm. and beauty, but I didn't just want to make it about beauty. It's like really consumer in general. Yeah. Um, but like, I just, I loved that. I, oh I used that as a resource too. when I was like building, cause there's a lot of things you can pull from that. And I love streetwear. I think actually what our hope is, what my hope is with topicals is that skin conditions will be an extension of your personal sense. It will be an extension of your personal sense of style. Mm-hmm. Right. So like the same way we've seen Starface, love Julian and Brian oh, love just like they've taken acne and made acne a, yeah, it's cool. Like it's a cool thing. It's like fashion. And I love when I we get just, to my star. Right. Yeah. We just launched these under eye masks, uh, oh, faded I'm under just, eye masks and people yeah. are wearing them outside. Mm-hmm. I wore them outside at ComplexCon. People were like complimenting me and it was so funny. Cause I'm it like, it was a fit though. It was a fit. Thank you. Yes, Shout yeah. out to Jeff Hamilton. That was a Jeff Hamilton jacket. Jeff Hamilton has designed Ooh. jackets for like Kobe. Stunning. A bunch of artists. Yes. And it was a pink one. I Ooh, loved it. So good. Um, but yeah, just this idea that like skin conditions can be an extension of your personal sense of style. You don't have to hide it. It can be a part of your outfit. Mm-hmm. And so when I was building topicals, like I loved Virgil's, I forgot what he called it, but like his, the rules of the game or something like mm-hmm. how he thought about you know, designing and creating. And so I was like, let me do my own. I was inspired, but probably about a year ago I was inspired. But like you said, taking it from here, Mm -hmm. (laughs) my mind, and then actually putting it on paper has been like a very grueling process. Absolutely. And then the the design that comes with it, because I'm actually a perfectionist. So Yep, I'm sure you are. I feel like that's how you make it these days, though. It's crazy. But would you guys ever do like merch? Because I would gladly wear a faded hoodie. So here's the thing about my team, and I love it. Mm we're all maybe a little bit too woke <laughs> because yeah. we just like merch is wasteful. Yeah. And also we don't like merch if it's not actually like a fashion item. Like we don't mm-hmm. want to make something that like you actually wouldn't wear if it didn't have topicals logo on it. So I think we've spent Smart. a lot of time trying to figure that out. So in 2023 you'll see some things from us, but like it's very like, this could be yeah like a piece, like a Jacquemus piece. This could be a, okay, good. Like we want it to be a, like, it. like we want you to be able to to like if you wanted to buy it on Essence, that's what we want it to be like. We don't really want it to good. just be like a wow, a T-shirt. I feel like you all are so intentional, and I wonder, like, where do you think you get that from? I think one because of the skin conditions we serve, you actually just can't launch product just all like wild because yeah. it takes a long time to find products and ingredients that work and like test them and make sure they're safe and effective. And then number two, we really like to storytell and there's not a lot of space for storytelling when you're releasing so many products or merch items. So we have to be intentional because we want to tell stories. Mm-hmm. Like 2023 for us is a big storytelling year. We'll release a couple of products some really game changing ones, but we really want to take time to educate you on these different skin conditions and then educate you on the way that culture really actually has driven a lot of who we are as a brand and has driven pop culture at large. Mm-hmm. So you, my last question, the thing you had said earlier about how you had told your therapist once that you felt like you were missing your moment, what do you wish someone would have told you at that time? To feel your feelings in that moment, mm-hmm. because if I would have practiced feeling my feelings then, I'm in my moment now per yeah. se, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't feel it. Yeah. And so it's just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm in the moment that I wanted so bad. And it's like, do I feel it? Yeah. And I struggle like, with that. Yeah. Same. 100%. <laughs> it's just, it's a lot, yeah. especially mm-hmm. when you do things when you're really young. It's just like, it's a lot. And I, I, 
I'm obviously not a huge celebrity, but I understand how celebs can become very jaded and like just dissociative of like life Mm -hmm. when you just feel like you've done a lot of the things. So I'm practicing gratitude. I'm practicing being present, spending time with people who like make me feel my inner child again. Cause I think that's the problem is like, I've had to grow up really quickly and like growing up really quickly ends up really biting you in the butt. Cause you just never got to have that like childlike juvenile experience Mm -hmm. well i am hoping for you in 2023 that you feel more inner child vibes because that is and i hope i do too girl (laughs) pray pray for all of us pray for all of us pray for all the black women please or do you have siblings i do i have a younger brother and a younger sister so you're the oldest yes so again so you got more Mm -hmm. exactly praying praying for all of us okay so the last question i like to ask every one of my guests is finish this sentence with something that you want other people to know you are too smart for, you can switch the four for it too, if you want. Yeah. To squander your gift. I have been having conversations with people, very timely conversations, about this idea that God doesn't operate in time or earthly logic. And I think that mm. we spend so much time trying to create all these reasons why you have to do this or do that or be this or be that before you can be the person or before you can like use your gift or, you know, start the business or start the podcast and it's like god doesn't operate in like in time or earthly logic like what has happened to me over the last three years of my life two and a half years three years of my life good and bad makes no sense Mm -hmm. like absolutely no sense i can spend a lot of time trying to make sense of it i can spend a lot of time being nervous about what's coming next or i can just operate in my gift and i can just like be happy with that and i think that's what i'm like i wish people would understand is like you don't need to be too anything Mm -hmm. Yeah. You are too gifted to not to like squander your gift. You're too gifted. Like if you leave this earth without living in your purpose and like doing what you need to do, you're going to be so sad. Yeah. 100 and we'll be and we'll be everyone sad. will be sad. Yeah. Here's my last thing. And all my friends know I say this, mm-hmm. but I tell my friends all the time that you really do need to live in your purpose and in your gift because someone else's destiny is actually tied to you becoming who you are. Like if you weren't you, there's someone else two, three, five, ten years down the line who can't become who they need to become, right? I think about, like, all the women I've looked up to, all the people I've looked up to, and had it not been for this person or that person, like, I just would not be who I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so on days where you feel like you can't do it or you're tired or, you know, X, Y, and Z, like, rest, but also know that it's not for you. Your gift isn't mm-hmm. for you and, like, someone else's whole destiny like take that that's deep Mm -hmm. someone else's whole destiny is tied to you being who you are that just really just gave me all the life I need for like the next like year seriously (laughs) like because I think that's we get so worried about our day-to-day and like the little things that don't go right or do go right or are wrong or whatever and the thing our little insecurities but like there's a bigger picture here and it's not in that you know I think that's a really beautiful way to put it as well so where can everyone find you if they want if you don't want them to find you you don't got to tell them, but still. It's so funny because I don't try to be a mysterious girl. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm pretty private about certain things, but mm-hmm. um, you can find me on social media. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of followers over there now. Like I gained a yeah. lot of followers over the last like month. Yeah. And I'm just like, hey y'all. Hey guys. Matter of fact, where's everyone from? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you just got to go live and say that. Yeah, like, matter of <laughs> fact, where are y'all yes, from? Exactly. Um, but you can find me on socials. My first name, O-L-A-M-I-D-E. My middle initial, A. And my last name, O-L-O-W-E. On all social platforms. I'm on TikTok too, y'all dancing and doing all oh, the things. Oh, you're dancing? No, just kidding. I was going to say, okay, because I don't dance. Not dancing, but my team does have me doing content now, even God. though I, I'm like, mm. but um, still, 
I am saying funny random things on Twitter. Like today, I was like, Ooh. I was late. I, I went to the wrong location for every meeting today, but my <laughs> outfit looked a thousand ten. Oh, so period. I'm wearing a Subi sweater. I'm she really is. excited about she it. She is serving a and look. Some cute boots. Mm-hmm. 100%. So we love to see it. We love to see. It. I hope you get to show it to everybody. Yes. Do a fit check. Yes. Do a fit check. Do a fit for check. Us. And I then think we deserve it. on Instagram, I am serving looks. Actually, on Instagram is where I serve looks. I've so. been noticing, but if that's you, what it's for. That's what it's for, yes. by all means. Yes. We love to see it. Okay, thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you for having me. I had oh so God. much fun. I had so much fun. I think I needed this today. Thank you so much for listening to Too Smart for This. I am so grateful that you took the time out of your day to take a listen to these conversations. If you're looking for more content, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Too Collective. And don't forget to follow me, your host, Alexis Barber, on the Gram TikTok as well. Don't forget, you can also watch our solo episodes on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Alexis Barber. And we do a weekly giveaway of PR products or Amazon gift cards to girls who leave great reviews down below. So please make sure to leave your reviews and follow us on Instagram to be notified in case you win. And with that, do not forget that you are too smart to not love yourself and see you in the next episode.